looking live at the Starbucks on Howard Avenue in South Tampa, where I have been placed because uh, Real Housewives is on right now, and the person I share a household with wanted to watch that on the big TV, so I walked down the street, and I'm doing a podcast live from Starbucks. Welcome in, everybody, to the new, new era of the uh, Voodoo 5 slash the unnamed USF slash whatever we're going to call it now podcast. We're actually talking to a couple of people about legitimately getting a sponsor for once. So we'll see what happens there. But until then, we will be continuing unnamed USF podcast. Let me introduce to you our new podcast slash multimedia genius, Anthony Vito, who is going to take care of all this stuff for us. Because as you know, we've been terrible about this for the last couple of years and we want to get it right. So we brought in Anthony. Anthony, how you doing? Fantastic. How you doing, Colin? Good, buddy. Um, first of all, thanks for being a part of this. Uh, we really appreciate it. Um, of course. We will uh, compensate you just as well as we do everybody else around here. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, Nate, Nate giggles and laughs, but he got a pair of sneakers at the gear sale. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, shout out for the, They're nice kicks, too. They are. They good they're, stuff. Very, they're pretty comfortable, too. And I got some, some fly kicks. We sent out some stuff to, to Jamie in Texas. We sent some stuff to uh, Nick in Atlanta. Yeah, we rated the gear sale pretty hard to blow it out as best as we could. But, Anthony, tell us a little bit about yourself and why you're a USF fan and why you're good at doing all this audio crap that we're terrible at. <laughs> Wouldn't say I'm great, but have some experience in it. Um, I went to USF, uh, graduated 2012. have a whole big old group. We have a big season tip ticket group. And I remember back in the – I know we talked about – it needing to be in the past, but the glory days. I remember being a high, uh, senior in high school and going like, wow, the West Virginia game was something. USF had a program I really liked. Um, ended up being a theater major, so I also know the the world of not making much money. But, yeah, here I am. <laughs> Glad I was able to jump on. What is your Twitter handle so people can follow you? Um, at AnthonyVito underscore. Awesome. Make sure you follow him, guys. He's going to be a big part of uh, our crew going forward. Uh, Anthony, uh, can't thank you enough for doing this. Um, welcome to the team. I think you have found that we are a pretty all-over-the-place kind of group. Like, you know, we just argue about everything from soccer to wrestling all day long in, in our Slack channel, and, you know, it gets, it gets pretty fun. But it's nice to have somebody on board who knows actually what they're doing about this kind of stuff. And can you tell... All of our listeners, all of the fabulous, wonderful things you're doing, like getting all of the podcast feeds under one stream so that we're going to actually have these every week and you're going to be able to download them on iTunes and everything. That's correct. We're going to try to make sure it's nice and streamlined. Everything's in one spot. If you have SoundCloud, iTunes, um, most other podcast sites as well. And we're going to make sure it's nice and clean, edited nice. So whether you're working out in the gym or you're at the office, you're able to hear a nice clean feed. And that's what we're looking for. We're going to try and do this a couple of times a week, just more regularly. The biggest thing that we've always gotten complaints about from our fans is do more podcasts, do more podcasts, do more podcasts. So, all right, we're going to do more podcasts. The way that also we're going to try and attack this is um, through a little bit of sponsorships that we can actually do a few more things that are going to be a little fun this year. For example, I'm going to San Jose State. And I am also going to UConn. Uh, we're going to try and send somebody to ECU. That might be Nate if he can get away for the weekend. Uh, it might be somebody else. And then, of course, we'll all be at Tulane because nobody's missing that. And then, uh, of course, we'll all be in Orlando because nobody's missing that. So um, 
we're going to try and get all the games covered this year. One of the advantages of being there is that we're going to be able to do some things on the road. So in our efforts to pivot to video, I think you'll see us this year also do things like stand-ups from the field on Facebook Live before the game. So you might be able to get an injury report right before kickoff, see who's out there, who's not, especially at road games. The way CBS Sports Network covers our league, you may turn on the game and not know a guy's playing or not. Um, if he was questionable previously, now we're going to be able to, you know, get that kind of information out there through video, give you kind of a feel of what it looks like in the stadium, things like that. So um, we're going to also try and get Sandy out there on the field as well at games for home games. She's like a real anchor and like good at this yeah. stuff. She has like, she's actually good at these things unlike the rest of us who just sort of like muddle through it um sandy's fantastic if you read her basketball stuff this year you can tell she's got a great sense of humor um as well but she's also really good on camera and has like the you know the poise and the charisma that nathan and i will sorely lack and so uh, we're going to try and get her out there at games and doing stuff pre-game and doing some more video type stuff as well so that is the goal we're going to blow it out this year because if the team's going to be really good we might as well be really good too so we see what some of our other fellow blogs have been doing as they continue to evolve into our new hashtag pivot to video environment. Um, and so that's what we're going to try and do too. So this podcast is just Nate and I. We did not have a studio booked. We wanted to get something out as quickly as possible. Um, we are going to try and do as many of these from studios as we can. We've got access to a couple of different places that are going to be podcast studios as well. Um, so this one's on Skype, but the rest of them should sound a little better. I've already talked to a couple people that are going to come in and be guests for us this year. Um, we've got some guys coming in for guest content as well, former Bulls players, people that are, you know, legitimate football experts as well, not just USF guys. People understand how, you know, this game really works. We're going to try and blow it out as much as we can this year. So I have cleared as much of my schedule from my, like, real job as I possibly can between now and in January. And we're just going to make this as a special season as we can for everybody. So that's the goal. All right, Nate, you're going to practices every day because I'm lazy and don't feel like driving to North Tampa. Fair enough. What do you got? Well, uh, for the past week or so, we haven't been able to see much. Uh, you know, we usually get an email, you know, the day the, the practice starts and tells us, you know, practice availability at 940 or 1040. And then we don't get uh, the clear going until, you know, 1130. So... Did you get an email today about about game week schedule? Because I haven't gotten one yet. Uh, I have not. It's 29 on Monday, 29 p.m. And we still don't know when we're going to have practice access this week. Go Bulls. Hey, we're, we're good at what we do, apparently. I mean, it's just, come on, man. Um, yeah, so to, uh, actually I do have it um, Tuesday, tomorrow. Uh, special teams period, last 15 minutes of practice. So we'll get to see a uh, large adult punter punt the ball. So that's always a fun time. And then it'll go directly to the press conference. And we'll have, uh, I'll be live tweeting that. And hopefully someone else will be out there with me to put something on the site because I have a real job that I have to go to. So we'll see um, what goes on. Yeah, I'll see if I can get up there uh, tomorrow for presser. Because, you know, it's important for us to be there. We don't get a lot of cracks at Charlie. I had a nice, like, 30-second conversation with Charlie on uh, at the block party on Saturday. Um, mm-hmm. But he still doesn't, I think. Like, just if, if you saw Charlie in the mall, Nate, and you're at practice more days than you're not, if you saw Charlie at the mall and you walked by, would you be able to walk up and say, hey, how you doing? And he would know who you are? No. <laughs> See? And it's like, and me either. Like, no, at least really, either. like. 
I, I could see, I'd see Willie out at events and whatever, and he knew who I was, and we had, yeah. you know, some sort of rapport. I don't even know if he knows who Knight is. <laughs> yeah, you know? well, we'll see. I mean, the lasting image I have of Willie from the, the CDOT game was I was recording the players high-fiving the fans after the game, and, and he just comes up and kind of, like, pushes me. as a see, I told you we could do it kind of thing, even though, you know, I didn't doubt him, but he was you know, playful, and I don't think uh, Coach Strong will be that kind of coach. Definitely not that kind of coach. Um, something I don't know if we've mentioned this before, but uh, we've talked to our guys up at Louisville um, who were there when Charlie was the head coach, and just media is not something he does. Donor relations is not something he does. He wants to coach football, and he kind of blocks everything else out. Um, he'll do it like he was out there at the black party day on Saturday, you know, talking to fans and, and being real cheerful and doing everything that you got to do. And he got up on the microphone, got everybody fired up. You know, he's doing the, the, the big things that you have to do when you're the head coach. And Willie did those as well. Um, Willie was at that event last year. But as far as, like, the, you know, talking to us and giving us some some sort of perspective on the team or, or reaching out to donors and things like that. That is just not something that, um, that we can see that he's been doing a lot of. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but I, again, from what we hear, great guy, everybody who works with him, you know, the staff around him says wonderful things about him. Says he's a really good dude. So it's kind of where we're at. Um, all right. What else you got? Well, let's see. I think, you know, big news today, USF comes in 19th in the, preseason AP top 25 it's their highest ranking uh in the preseason since 2008 that is of course the year USF got to number 10 and beat Kansas and the final scores like 37-34 on a last second Macon Banani field goal uh so you know nearly 10 years later you know we we get back into the preseason top 25 I think it's a good start we're the only group of five team that was ranked. Uh, two other AAC schools, I believe it was Houston and Tulsa, were also ranked. So good start for USF to be the, the dark horse candidate for a New Year's Six Bowl. Uh, I'd, you say dark horse. I think they're the favorite. Uh, what's his name today who wrote or the other Matt Brown, not our boss Matt Brown, another college football writer, but the Matt Brown CFB um, put mm-hmm. out there today that he's got Houston beating USF in the championship game. And then he had USF because of that loss, USF playing Middle Tennessee State in the oh, who cares bowl um, as as the season was over because there's just, you know, there's nowhere to go unless you win this league. Um, you're not getting a good bowl game. So I was a little surprised by that. Uh, in the preseason poll of the 30 AAC writers, um, 26 of them picked USF to win the league. 30 of them picked USF to win the division, 30 out of 30. So he is definitely uh, the contrarian there, but I agree. Houston's going to be very good. Mm-hmm. They are the team that by far scares me the most in the league. Memphis, I guess, would be next. Maybe Tulsa. Nobody in this division, though. I, I think this division is hot trash. I think there is a legitimate possibility. If I could bet on it and get a price... I would love to bet on ECU going 0 and 12. Everything I'm reading about <laughs> ECU is it's not going well. Um, yeah. they right now, they are right now a four and a half point dog at home against James Madison. And you're like, well, James Madison's not Division One. You're right. But they're a powerhouse <laughs> FCS school. Powerhouse. They're a good. F- they're a good FCS school, and they're 
they're giving four and a half on the road to a, an American conference school, but hey, hashtag power six. Um, <laughs> so bad. So, it, you know, I think temp, from what we can surmise, you know, Temple seems excited about their program, but telling Temple fans not to be excited at this point no. is a losing proposition. I, I was I was doing some research for Temple because I'm I'm going to be doing the Temple preview when that comes out and you know really the only question mark for Temple is who's going to throw the ball after Philip Walker you know graduated and went to the NFL and they still have uh, Rykel Armstead and the fullback who sunk oh. Johnny Ward into oblivion uh, Nick Shargo oh. every single linebacker USF threw out there so. Yeah, they're still going to be very tough. And if USF hasn't figured out that they can't, to, they can't stop the run, I think it's going to be a very long day. The, the thing about the thing about that, the, the two games that USF did lose last year, um, both. I mean, they got killed on the ground in both of them, and that was you know four seventy eight to FSU, and just getting sunned by a junior fullback from Temple. Um, who just destroyed every linebacker you had. Mm-hmm. This team this year, and you can tell me what, you know, maybe we've talked about this. I I think I've been to one practice so far, but you've been to most of them. This defense looks like it's wrapping up a little better. They're a little quicker to the ball. They yeah. tackle a little bit better. And remember, they don't need to be world beaters because this offense is a world beater. Uh, so I, I, they don't need to be great, but I, I made this analogy you know, and it's it'll come out this week in our preseason predictions that we're doing as a staff, which is we need this defense to like get off the field like twice twice a week more often than they did before. We need them to turn like two touchdowns into two field goals a month. You know what I mean? Like they don't have to be world beaters. You you know, I don't we don't need a top twenty defense. We need a top seventy defense. And I think that's something that's possible just on, you know, the, quite frankly, on the coaching improvement alone. The things that Nate and I have heard from people around the program, from former players, from other, from other coaches, quite frankly, they've really got lucky there in the defensive meeting room last season. And a, a change was probably needed no matter whether or not Willie Taggart was still your head coach. Um, Raymond Woody had, you know, really struggled in his first year as a college coordinator. And Coach BJ is not really putting up with a lot of crap. No. And, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how Coach BJ does because this is his first time calling the shots as well. I mean, he's been around for 20-plus years, but he's this is his first season being a defensive coordinator. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, the differences in how he'll call a game versus how Woody did. And from, you know, the rumors is that, that Temple game, Woody kept calling the same play. And you can, you can kind of see it. There was just, you know, one defender on, you know, the strong side of the field and just kind of got crushed every play. So I mean, twist a D-end, you know. Let's do, do something, side man. Send a corner. Like, just something, man. I mean, if you're getting if you're getting demolished like that on the ground, like, you got to do something. Overload a side and guess. Even if you get beat, all right, give it the first down. Go get the yep. next one. Yeah, you know, I mean, just yeah. What I've seen is they'll go, you know, the four-two-five alignment, which is, you know, it's been the same for you know the past three years. But we'll also go three-three-five, and it's interesting to see 
it'll be, you know, Mike Love, Deidre Sinat, and then Bruce Hector as the other end in the 3-3-5 alignment, which you, you probably have your three best defensive alignment on the field right there. And then you added, you know, third linebacker. And who that third linebacker is going to be, um, you know, with Augie Sanchez and Nico Saltel is, you know, up in there. It could be you know, Danny Thomas or, God forbid, Jimmy Bays. Um, Although uh, we keep reading the stories about how Jimmy Bays has got is starting to figure it out, and finally, we'll you know, Knight had a piece on him earlier. I don't know. I I know we'll see. we've been a little skeptical about the, the progress of, yes. US, of Willie Taggart's first ever four star recruit who has barely gotten on the field uh, yeah. since he's been here. Uh, you know, in addition to defense, uh, with the five DBs on the field, we've seen Diedrich Nichols as the nickel corner coming off the edge, and it would have uh, Mozzie Wilkins, who had a phenomenal fall camp. Just carried it over from spring and just took, he may have taken a starting corner spot. And to get him, Ronnie Hoggins, and Dietrich all on the same field together will be electric. And just, you know, sliding Dietrich in, I think, presents more possibilities for blitzes from the defense. Does that give you size problems, though, in the backfield? Prob- I mean, probably. I think Dietrich's maybe 5'9". On a good day? On a, on a good day. On and he's covering day. six, and they've got him matched up on MVS in practice at 6'5", which is always yeah. interesting to see. Um, so, but, you know, Rondé Barber was, you know, 5'10", and he did fine. You know, you remember, Colin. Oh, yeah. I mean, you can yeah, just eat it. So... <laughs> Did you just get it? I, I just got it. I'm like, <laughs> I, I just, I'm still not over it, but I did get it. Um, if he's taking a shot at me, be an Eagles fan. If you're uh, not a big NFL guy out there, um, and yeah, that happened. We'll, we'll talk about the Bucks later. Um, I've heard some things about the Bucks and USF that I think are pretty great, and we'll get to that uh, later in the pod. Um, I, I, I worry about the size in the backfield, especially. Um, it seems to be the, the trend in college football is, is that you end up with bigger receivers, guys, you know, 6'2", 6'3", 6'4", and if they can just sort of get any kind of hands or any kind of speed whatsoever, they're going to put them on the offensive side of the ball and just match up against, you know, faster, smaller guys in the backfield. So, um, and let me, let's uh, pivot to the preview real quick about the height. And Justin Holmes, who is San Jose State's uh, number one wide receiver, is 6'2", 211. So there you right. go. You know, first matchup of the season, going up against a big wide receiver. Well, before we get to uh, SJSU, I think we have a pretty good idea who's going to be the starters on the offensive side of the ball. So you're going to go Quentin DJ, MVS. Uh, who's the other wide receiver? Yeah, Salomon, if he's healthy. It'll, it'll I mean, probably be Solomon. Um, Rasheem Bronson, I would bet my life on isn't starting the first two weeks of the season because of his right shoulder injury. Um, just from what I've heard in uh, practice and whatnot, uh, he's going to be out a couple weeks. Um, right. I could be wrong, but I'm not typically wrong about injuries. We're just here so we don't get fined. So Basically. we're not going to discuss that. Yeah, but um, big ups to Rasheem in his senior year. Hopefully he'll uh, he'll be able to get healthy and, and make a contribution. Um, so if you've got Solomon on one side and MVS on the other, which by the way is going to be a matchup nightmare for every smaller DB in the American Conference for sure. Both those guys are big and fast and good. Um, yes. Who's the slack guy? 
of the slot guy will be D'Angelo Antone. Or really? Yeah, oh, oh yeah. Okay. He's, a, he's a little speedster. And then, you know, the Rice transfer, uh, Tamiya Laka, will probably push Darnell Solomon for playing time as well. And then, you know, Tyree McCants, he's always there. Um, you know, I, I think because of the lack of outside runs and jet sweeps, his impact on Locking. the team yeah. blocking-wise will be diminished slightly. But, yeah, I think he'll still have a prominent role in the offense uh, just because of how fast they go. The, the skill groups are going to have to sub out often enough to stay fresh. Uh, so he'll be around. And, I mean, there's still a couple of guys that could make an impact. Jannard Phillips, I don't know if he'll make – I don't know if he'll redshirt or not. He's the early enrollee, and he looked good in spring and looked good in fall. And uh, true freshman, uh, his name's Kayvon Dingle. He had a good camp as well. He's a big body receiver as well. So it's up in the air right now. Let me throw this out at you, though. You talk about McCants' blocking, and I think you and I would both agree that McCants is probably the best blocking wide receiver USF ever had. Um, just so good getting out in space. His block, We talk about his blocking not as useful on jet sweeps because what they would do is they'd line him up in the slot. And then they pull, you know, Rodney on the sweep, you know, have Marlon, you know, either go have Marlon go one way or play it off and then, you know, Rodney on the jet. Mm-hmm. But now with Dernis back there, who's a much better pass catcher and much better in space, like once he catches the ball in the, in the, on the perimeter, do you maybe leave McCants in there and sort of have him because nobody sets up their blocks better than Dernis Johnson. So mm-hmm. do you maybe just have him, do you run like a little quick screen you know, to the flat yeah. and then have him out there just clocking people so that Dernis can, you know, set, because nobody will use him better than Dernis Johnson could on a quick screen. Uh, it's definitely possible. I think, you know, the uh, halfback screen is going to be huge part of this it, offense. Yes. Uh, and, you know, power, they're going to be power running up the middle most of the time. And, it, you know, screens are, screens are very effective. And I've, I've seen a couple variations of a screen. Uh, during practice, which are interesting takes to say the least. I don't want to, you know, I'm just getting lectured left and right. You know, don't give away, <laughs> don't give away everything. Don't give away everything. We, you know, do too want uh, USF to be bad again, and I, I don't. So I gotta see if I can get permission to talk about what I've seen so far. But I've I've, I've liked what they've done with screens and whatnot and the personnel that they've used the screens with. That much Ernest, you can say. Yeah, the, you're going from a guy in Marlin, and I don't know if you guys have seen some of these runs that Marlin's had that have been posted on Twitter of just oh, crushing dudes in the, in the NFL already. Um, and it sucks to lose a guy with that much talent. But what he does is, is Dernest is just more diverse and can just do more different things. This, you have the breakaway athleticism and, like, the ridiculous, like, stick your foot in the ground and turn an entire defense the wrong way that Marlon had? No, but he's a better pass catcher. He's a better route runner. He's a better blitz picker-upper. Um, and he, you know, so he can do some different things. And that's what I'm excited for is to see, you know, especially now that Quentin's a senior, um, you know, he's improved as a passer every single year. If Quentin can just hit those little, you know, check downs and screens and, you know, he'll be able to stretch the field 
vertically, you know, yeah. you get the one, one-on-one matchup. Like, we know he can throw the ball up over, you know, MVS's shoulder to the outside and just, you know, hey, you're 6'5", go make a play, and I'm going to put it in a spot where only you can get it. We know he can do that. But can he also hit the little stuff right around the perimeter, you know, just outside the box or, you know, sometimes inside the box, you know, if you run a middle screen there, can he hit that? Um, Quentin can do those things. Dernis is the guy who can really open up a lot. So we'll yeah, see. And, you know, the, even with the screens from Quentin last year, a lot of them were either low or high that the receiver had to adjust and couldn't just catch and run. And I think with his new delivery that he worked on with uh, offensive coordinator Sterling Gilbert, I think he's going to be more accurate with those throws and the intermediate, you know, five to 15 yard, you know, ends, slants, you know, posts that j- he just couldn't hit on a consistent basis, basis last season. And I said in our, you know, our preview uh, for this season, I w- it wouldn't shock me in this offense if Quentin threw for 4,000 yards. If he got closer to 4,000 yards than 1,500 yards rushing. He, so, he passed 1,500 yards um, rushing last season and was set just under 3,000 passing last year. I think the way the offense is set up, I think he could get close to 4,000. So give him 4,000 yards passing, 1,500 yards rushing, and somewhere between 55 and 65 total touchdowns accounted for. Um, He's going to New York. Got Stacey in New York. And right now the odds on that are like, I think it's less I saw was like. 101? Six, no, to get to New York it was like 650, and to win the damn thing was like 40 to 1. Oh, man. That's. I mean, Yeah. That seems, you know, but the, the odds to get to New York, I kind of like that at 60. I don't I don't think he can win it. Um, you know, I, if Sam Darnold, if USC sniffs 11-1, Sam Darnold's going to win. If, you know, uh, what's his name from Alabama, the running back, Scarborough, like, he, yeah. he, he crushes souls. You know, that guy's amazing. So if, if you're a, a high, you know, SEC, Pac-12 type player who dominates, you're always going to get the nod over Clinton Flowers is going to be perceived to have conflated stats against a uh, lighter kind of, a lighter schedule. But that's not going to be perceived stats against a lighter schedule. It is a lighter it schedule. Is be, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, it's just a much lighter schedule. Um, that'll keep so, him from New York. I see. That's the thing is, I think they could get him to New York. I think he could squeeze. You know, if there could be a really good if USFPR did. You know, something really creative in terms of getting the campaign out there. Which <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Um, okay, but. <laughs> <laughs> Nate's faith is uh, a little bit questionable on that one, and I, I can understand why. But if they did something really creative to, to get Quentin some pub, maybe they could find a way to squeeze him into New York. Um, if not enough votes from the South get split, he could, you know, get enough third-place votes to figure out a way to get there. But, you know, obviously, we're in New York. I think it's just that's just a bridge too far, no matter what. Mm-hmm. So, uh, last thing before we get to SJSU that I wanted to ask you, uh, give me the first 11 guys on defense on the field uh, on Friday at 4 or Saturday at 4.30 Pacific time. Let's see. It'll be Mike Love, Deidre yep. okay, Bruce Hector, Greg Reeves, the guy he just wow. got a scholarship. He's probably going to start. Um, I don't wow. think he had a great camp. I mean, clearly he had a great camp if he got a scholarship. And he, we, we talked to him, I think, the day before, the day of. He got a scholarship beforehand. And very humble guy. He went to Willie Taggart's alma mater, uh, Bradenton Manatee. And he just he just seems like he's just a very nice guy. And I'm rooting for him. Um, but in that rotation at 
the end, there'll be Juwan Brown, who had the uh, scoop and score against CDOT. Uh, Kirk Livingstone will be in there somewhere. And maybe Frank Johnson at the end. And then at D-tackle, Kevin Bronson. Marlon Gonzalez, who's a, I think, believe he's a sophomore. Those are the top four. You know, Sanat, Hector, Bronson, and Gonzalez at D-tackle. Uh, Hector and Bronson cross-trained at D-end. Um, maybe out of scheme, but definitely out of necessity because it was a proverbial mash unit during fall camp at the defensive end position. Uh, two linebackers. It'll be Augie at the mic and Nico Salto at the weak side, uh, replacing Nigel Harris who's off in the NFL, and he, I think he has 10 tackles through his first two preseason games. So good for him. And then DBs, Devin Abraham, Jamon Thomas at safety. And then the three corners, Mazzy Wilkins, Dietrich, and Ronnie Hoggins. That is my starting That's, 11 for Saturday. And is Dietrich matched up on uh, a number one wide receiver like Thomas for SJSU, or is he like went under the striker? Um, the striker, yeah, spiker, bull, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. You know, the guy, the guy who shifts back and forth. Is that D? So that's going to be Dietrich, huh? It, it could be. It honestly could be. If not Dietrich, then Khalid McGee will be in there as the the striker. But I've, I've seen I've seen it both ways. They're going to try to get Mozzie on the field because he had such a good camp. All right, so let's talk about SJSU. They uh, they're not good, and they're, they're not great. I will be honest with you. <laughs> is that your is that your analysis? Uh, analysis, <laughs> not good. Uh, they went four and eight last year, three and five in the Mountain West. Sixty-year quarterback. They had a sixty-year yeah. quarterback that went four and eight. How do you do that after coming off a bowl game? You you beat a not terrible Georgia Southern team in a bowl game, and then you just get absolutely wrecked. I don't understand. I don't. Like, I don't get it either. So, needless to say, new coach, new offensive coordinator, new coordinator. Brent Brennan was, I believe, the wide receiver coach at Oregon State before he got the head coaching job. So, yes. he, he skipped a few uh, rungs, to say the least. He went from the wide receivers coach at San Jose to the wide receivers coach at Oregon State and mm-hmm. ended up somehow actually he got he took like some sort of mini demotion uh when mike mcintyre came to san jose state he like i think he was like wide receivers coach and then he got bumped down to like i don't know some other smaller position for a season went to um oregon state i don't know if he started this wide receivers coach there but ended it has never called a play as a coordinator in college and yeah. now he's a coach so, and crazy that's that's uh something else but i don't know if that's as crazy as their offensive coordinator Andrew Souter, he's 29, and he went from a GA at Texas with Charlie Strong and Sterling Gilbert to offensive coordinator. That's and a big jump. It's a big jump, um, but he, I, I almost kind of like that a little bit more because he's coming, you know, his pedigree is Dino Babers. And then a year as a, and he wasn't an assistant last year. He was just a QC at Texas. Mm-hmm. But a QC at Texas is probably making, you know, as much money as a, an assistant coach in most yeah. places. Um, he was at Bowling so, Green uh, in 2015 as wide receiver coach, 14, yeah. uh, director of player personnel and the recruiting coordinator. 
and then he was also with Gilbert at Eastern Illinois for two years as a wide receiver coach. So Sterling and him go way back. Yeah, and they're, and they're both Dino guys, and and those mm-hmm. of us that are kind of obsessed with Dino Babers and thinks he thinks he's like one of the great coaches in college football. That's going to be, um, you know, they just throw the ball everywhere. They have no fear. That Syracuse team is going to be really good. I've got Eric Dungy as the 2018 ACC Player of the Year just on that system alone. Um, and I, so to, to see what they're going to want to do, I just don't know. If you, if you haven't been able to name a quarterback this far away from the start of the season, um, how the heck do you plan on throwing the ball 50, 60, 70 times a game yeah. with the personnel that they have right now? So we may not see the full what eventually San Jose State's going to want to do offensively when we're out there on Saturday. They're going to need some time to build what they want to do. So USF's probably getting them at a time where they're going to be their most vulnerable. Yeah, it might be a, like a, I think it was what Chad Morrison SMU in 2015. They they had the system in place, but they just didn't have the talent and quarterback. And last year, I think they did decently. Yeah, it just takes a while to, and especially if you're going to, you know, Look at Dino and Syracuse. You had to do the same thing. You know, that, mm-hmm. that team was pretty bad in 15. They got much better the second half of 16. They were better than at the end of the year than when we played them, for sure. And yeah. just time to, to figure out everything that you need to do to throw the ball 50, 60, 70 times a game. Um, so offensively, it looks like they've got a few guys that can play a little. Um, some skill position guys that are, you know, three-star kids. Yeah. Don't really see it. They've got, I think they have one four-star in there that's – in the recruiting class that's like going to be in the rotation in the mix this year. But most of the kids are threes um, that are in the, the skill positions. They're certainly lower in threes than what USF normally gets. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then defensively, they just don't have anybody, but let's talk about their offense first. And what do you see? So quarterback Kenny Potter was their quarterback last year, 2200 yards, 16 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. He is gone. All right. So it's a, I believe it's a three man competition in our, our pal Joey Knight is, as Colin points out, way better at his job than we are. It's why he's, you know, with the newspaper and we're doing this. And he, I believe it's, he's from Brennan at the teleconference. It's nip and tuck right now. It's a close battle. Three guys are up there towards the front. Now, who the three guys are, our sophomore Josh Love, who has the most collegiate experience of the group. He started two games, I believe, last year through 60 passes, completed you know, just over 50% of them, through two touchdowns and five interceptions. So not great. Uh, they have redshirt freshman Montel Aaron and then 6'2 sophomore Sam Allen. So Love, interestingly enough, wasn't on scholarship until August of last season. So you could have a former walk-on quarterback as your starter going into the 2017 season. Whee! So that's nice. At running back, they graduated their top receiver, or top running back, uh, Potter, I believe, had 10. He had 322 yards on the ground and seven touchdowns. He led the team in rushing touchdowns last season, so he's gone. So that's 23 touchdowns just completely off the books. And Malik Roberson's back. He had 99 carries for 508 yards, over five yards a carry. And then Zamor Ziegler. That's a great name. That's Zabrian Gunter, little name right there. 
79 carries, 423 yards, 5.4 yards a carry. But neither one of them had more than three touchdowns uh, rushing last season. If we stop them running the ball, it's probably not because the defense is good. Maybe lack of experience and talent that does it. So I'm no coach. I've never coached down college football in my life, but I'm going to throw something out there. Uh, if I am coach Brian John Murray, I'm going to see that there he got a three-man quarterback competition, three-headed quarterback competition under a new coach that's never called a play in college football. Uh, some marginal talent at the skill positions, a decent offensive line, but some real questions at, at signal caller. I am probably going to blitz every single guy on my field at least once. Yep. Um, they're going to send everybody and say, hey, hey, freshman, hey, sophomore, do what you got to do. So um, we know John Murray likes to be aggressive, certainly more aggressive than his predecessor. Mm -hmm. uh, I think they're going to send people, they're going to send, you know, student managers, um, you know, equipment guys, whoever they got, you know, people carrying headsets and water bottles are going to be blitzing uh, on Saturday. That just, you know, basic, basic football seems to be that if you've got, you know, some skill guys that have some decent talent and can possibly make some plays, but, questions at quarterback just send everybody and make that guy make decisions and beat you if he does then you make adjustments but until then it's on the house yep and you know wide receivers are marginal at best uh justin holmes is the best returning guy uh 613 yards he averaged 15, just under 16 yards a catch and he had three touchdowns and then there's trey hartley who's six foot 196 and 33 catches, 572 yards. Uh, he looks like he's the big play vertical threat. He averaged 17 yards a catch. <clears throat> but, this is a pretty big but, he had 14 catches for 273 yards and three TDs in three win in three games. They were they all won. So 12 right. games, you know, good chunk of his uh, production came in three games last year. So. Who, who knows what's going to happen? So, yeah, it'll be an interesting, you know, this is a very young staff. San Jose is obviously going to try and change a culture. Uh, and sometimes that takes a while, especially when you're in a, a lower tier league with a, not a great history of winning football. They've won five bowl games in their history. Um, they have won five conference championships in your history, but none since like 1991. Dick Tomey was out there for a while, but I don't think he ever won a conference championship, if I'm not mistaken. So this is not a team with a great history. And so when you bring in a guy who's been there before, who's actually born and raised in San Jose, we'll, uh, we'll see what happens. So uh, defensively, um, I think it's fair to say that uh, San Jose is a tire fire. They were 112th out of 128 in S&P defense last year. Dead last in points conceded when the opponent got inside their 40. The team that was number one was your USF Bulls. So basically, if the Bulls get across the 40, you can count on at least six and maybe seven or eight um, points, uh, at least statistically going by last year. So mm -hmm. uh, they they had a leading tackler last year. He left. He looked like he was pretty good at the mic. So the guy that they bring back, and they also they have a, a pretty uh, an NFL type of corner and Andre Cheshire, something like that, um, seems to have some NFL type of talent. 
Um, pretty good matchup. He'll, you know, probably get stuck on MBS. Uh, yeah. He's a decent size matchup, too. He's over six feet tall. Uh, so we'll see what they do there. But their linebacker, Frank Ginda, looks like he's going to be the Mike. He's got 22 career starts, but no help on either side of him. Uh, the defensive line was 118th in stuff rate last year, and it doesn't look like they've added anything to it to get better on the lines. USF's offensive line is obviously the weakest of their of part of their offense, but even these guys should be able to push around. Mm-hmm. Um San Jose State pretty well. So it's a decent matchup for USF in that way. And then, of course, if, you know, USF can find man coverage anywhere, they have Quentin Flowers and all those athletes all over the field, and they should be able to get some man coverage. Yep, I agree. And, you know, they lost their top four defense events. So, you know, last year I think that would have been, you know, a big help with all the outside runs. But this year, you know, you're going up against two stout tackles and combined 14 tackles for loss and six sacks last year over Rob Owen Roberts and Bryson Bridges. So you're going to go up the middle in your power runs against the heart of that defense. So we'll see if, you know, maybe Sterling does switch things up and, you know, does more sweeps and screens just to expose the defense ends a little bit, make them make a play. Yeah. So, well, that should be. Uh, they're pretty good on special teams. Um, so don't expect that. They returned both their punter and their kicker, and those guys were pretty good last year. So maybe not a game where USF's going to break one um, or get some cheap points that way. But this is, you know, USF should really dominate this game. This shouldn't be too tough. And uh, we'll, see if, uh, we'll see if that's the case. So you got anything else, Nate? Uh, nothing, nothing really. I'm excited to see what, uh, Charlie Strong has to say about the offense coordinator, Andrew Souter, and, you know, what his thoughts are on him becoming an offense coordinator from being a GA for him last year. That'll be interesting well, to see. Uh, he's actually, it was a little ahead of GA. Usually it goes GA, QC, then like full coach. Oh, so like yeah. QC, yeah. you can actually pay like a real salary. GA, there's mm-hmm. like a limit on how much you can give them. Um, but at QC, you can actually give like a decent amount of money too. Yeah, and you pay for the school, right? Like they pay for your schooling, and then there's a little stipend for a GA. Right. But for the QC, you're actually like breaking down film, and you're mm-hmm. you're not allowed to recruit, and you're not allowed to do a few other things. Um, but you know, you can break down film, you can be at practice. Uh, you can only have limited interactions at practice, though. With like, you can't theoretically, you can't tell a player what to do directly, but you know, that kind of still happens. How do you monitor that? Exactly. Theoretically, you know, you're not supposed to do it. These these type of things do happen, though. And, and they are allowed to talk to them in, in film rooms and things like that. So it's just a different, it's a different type of position. But it's some one where certainly, you know, it seems like a guy who has some experience there. Let's, um, let's also talk real quick. Uh, we know Carl's not here. But the soccer team's undefeated so far. Uh, women's team digs themselves a 2-0 hole against Charlotte. Comes back, wins 3-2. Gets one in OT. Big, big win. Needed it. They got some questions at goalie, but um, Evelyn Vian might be the best athlete on campus right now. <laughs> uh, that's not Quentin Flowers. She is ridiculous and amazing. Is going to make a lot of money playing women's soccer. and It's hard to make a lot of money playing women's soccer. But she's the type of player who can actually do that. And, you know, with the European leagues getting spending a little bit more money on our ladies' teams now, um, wouldn't be surprised if she might not even be here for four years. Uh, Demi Stokes left USF early. and Or, no, she didn't leave early. She actually 
finish, but there have been a couple of girls that have already started to leave early, and that might actually happen with her. This girl was that good. What else? Men's team, 5 nothing over the Rowdies. And then, what was, they play another one? 5 nothing uh, over the Rowdies, Rowdies Cup. 5 nothing over UT to win the Rowdies Cup. And I don't, I don't think they've had another exhibition. I think that's all they've had so far. Uh, um, volleyball gets on the court on Friday. I'm very sad that I will miss it. Our guy Eric is doing the uh, PA announcer this year. Congratulations to Eric, the new PA announcer for our volleyball team. Uh, they will be they will be better. Uh, they are very tall. I went to their actually I went to practice and I would I just texted and I was like, hey, I'm going to swing by practice. I didn't know it was their first practice. So I walk in there and you know they're just you know doing some basic drills and stuff. And uh, mm. I thought it was like their 10th, but it was actually their first. They're very tall. Um, I really like That's the one good. outside they have. Yeah, I like tall in volleyball. Uh, the one outside, she looks like she can really play. She's, and I was like, so is that one of your transfers? They're like, no, she's a freshman. I was like, ooh, oh, so that's good. Because um, <laughs> in volleyball, if you have one girl who can just like put the what they call an out-of-system terminator, if you can just, the girl who can set up on the left side, get a decent set, and when it's, when the offense is all scrambled and both teams are just sort of knocking the ball back and forth, you can set her and put the ball on the floor. An out-of-system terminator, as they call it, and this girl looks like she might be able to become that. If you're going to be good in volleyball, you got a player that can just put the ball on the floor when you need it, and she might become that, hopefully, someday. Her name's Doris. Um, she was the one who jumped out at me at practice. There's your volleyball analysis. All right. Um, there we go. Uh, I'm leaving Friday. I have a two-hour and 40-minute layover in Vegas, and then I get to San Jose. I don't know if I can actually get out and go put a, bet, a college football bet down and like get back to the airport in time. Uh, I do not understand why there is no sports book in <laughs> McCarran Airport. It really kind of makes sense. You know, they got slot machines in there. Why don't they put a sports book in there, too, for people on layovers? Why do they hate money? Why has this not happened already? I don't understand. So uh, if I don't get stranded in Vegas, which, oh, that would be so sad, um, <laughs> I will be there uh, 1245, I think, on Friday. We will try and... Um, going to try and reach out to some people, get something up Friday night as well. Um, we can get some sort of last second preview as well. And we're going to try and, you know, handle, get as much content up there as we can um, from San Jose. Oh, here's, here's something for you for San Jose. I am like 85% sure the press box does not have AC. Oh, good God. Don't tell me that. Because um, it's hot I'm, there. It's, I'm fairly certain I heard that. Yeah, it's Northern California. But, like, so the only parts of Northern California that I've never been to San Jose before, but, like, I've spent enough time in San Francisco, like, in the middle of summer where it's still cold. Like, it's, like, July, and you still need a sweatshirt because San Francisco is weird. But San Jose is, like, 20, 30 miles away, and yet when it's 50 in San Francisco, it can be 90 in San Jose. And so if that press box has no AC, that's going to absolutely suck because it's probably going to be hot. Yep. Tough break, man. Ugh. Last time. I think the last, well, actually, Syracuse game last year. Can't wait to see in the carrier, though. Yeah. There you go. Okay. So we will cut this together and make it sound better. But we wanted to get something up. And, guys, this is the most important thing. And we're going to emphasize this on the blog and everything. Please share this podcast with your friends. Tweet it out. Put it on Facebook. Tell people to link to it. Because we need to get as many people downloading this thing every week. The more that we do, the more content that we can put out, the more people that we get to actually share this thing. But your number one complaint is we don't do enough pods, so we're going to try and do more pods. We're going to try and bring some pretty cool guests in here. 
and we will blow it out this year. Anthony, tell me something about your football team that you want to talk about. So, what's it like having a week zero game? Does that kind of change things? I know it's like the first week of classes, everyone starts Monday. Does that change how things roll? I think the, the more important change is you're going east coast to west coast, and you're going a day early. So the team's actually going to fly out on Thursday on the charter. They're going to practice out there Thursday. From what I've been told, they're actually going to do some sort of practice on Thursday and then Friday walk through Saturday game like you normally would. But apparently they have some facility booked out there where they're actually going to do a real practice on Thursday um, just for the time change and everything like that. I'm more worried about that than I am for classes. Um, if you're a football player at the University of South Florida, you know, all those rules like, you know, if you if you don't go to your first class, you get dropped and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. They got ways around that with the uh, <laughs> with the uh, academic advisors that they have and priority registration for athletes and all that stuff. Uh, for these guys, you know, the, academically, the support services that they have are, are pretty great. So I don't think the first week of classes is going to be as much of a hindrance as flying across the country and the time change and all that stuff. But, you know, I'm, for, honestly, this is going to be the first time a lot of, the, of our players have probably ever been to the Pacific time zone. You know, it, it happens all the time. Like, you, you talk to these kids, and, you know, we get old, and I've gotten to travel a little bit, and a lot of our guys have. By the time you're writing for the blog, you've probably done a little bit of travel. But so often for the football players, like, a lot of these guys, when they first, they've never seen snow before. So when we play in a game where there's, like, snow on the ground, they're like, oh, my God, that's snow. I, I'm more interested to see how they react to that than uh, anything else. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I think it's I think it's all right. They had two full weeks where summer session ended and they had no fall classes where they were able to just solely concentrate on football. And I'm not sure how often that happens, but I think that helps them more than, you know, having just waiting until week one where they're, you know, they may already have like a quiz or a test that they have to study for already. So, you know, first week of classes, no one's, everyone's doing the stand up, state your name, what your favorite fun fact about yourself. So they're not really missing much this week. And we'll see how it affects them uh, week two or week one more than this week. But as Colin said, it's more traveling East Coast, West Coast than anything else. And remember what Mark Harlan told us in a press box at the baseball game at McKeithen during the NCAA tournament is that one of the reasons they did this was to get the extra bye weekend. So by playing the week early, and, and I think it helps also, too, to have a veteran team. You know, if we, mm-hmm. had a, we were running a bunch of freshmen out there, I think it might be different. But when you've got a team that's a little bit older, the chance to play a week earlier, then come home, play your your game you should win by Illinois. You know, I think the schedule just sets up a lot better, you know, getting that extra weekend. So we'll uh, we'll see how it works out. But I'm more worried about the East Coast to West Coast than I am about first week of classes. What else you got? Did you just call UConn a bye? So. Sorry, I don't have the schedule in front of me. I'm go. I mean, I'm I'm booked. Like, uh, but yeah, I guess. So I am so focused. Like, look at me. I'm like a player. I am yeah. so focused on the opponent in front of me. I am so here for San Jose State. I'm not looking past. I'm I am ready for Saturday. I, I know what's coming. I'm just staying. You know, I'm staying in my space. I'm here for my teammates. Uh, you know, I just want to be a part of something great here. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we really love each other more than than any team that I've ever been around and. Uh, you know, this, we're closer. We're closer than we've ever been, and you know, these coaches are, are just doing a, a great job. You know, I really love being here at USF, and you know, whether it's me or somebody else, you know, we're all just here next man up. You know, whoever it's going to be, if I'm going to be a starter or not, that's fine. But 
you know, I'm just here to, to do my job. And if I do my job, I, I trust my teammates around me to do theirs. How's that? Pretty good? Yeah, decent. <laughs> uh, predictions? 44 to 10. 45. Uh, Charlie will call off the dogs probably faster than Willie would. Mm-hmm. Um, that's going to hurt for over-unders. We could always, you know, count on Willie to, to get the, the cheap touchdown at the end, oh, yeah. especially like UCF and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um Overs been pretty good for the LASF last year. I want to see how Charlie coaches it. Uh, I would say over total is 66 right now. Kind of like, kind of like over, but not huge. The USF like 45. Might give up a cheapie at the end, so like 45, 24, give or take somewhere in there. Um, yeah. So with that, it's three points on the over. So yeah, I go for like 45, 24. And but a lot of it's going to be, you know, second half. You know, prevent defense, giving up field goals, giving up, you know, a late TD maybe. So what part of the fan base freaks out faster? The we're not ranked high enough group or the we didn't win by enough group? Um, they're the same group. See, the Venn diagram of those two are, are two circles that lay on top of each other. Got and, it. Okay. Yeah, because the, the idiot fans who say that are, are all of the same. They're the same people. Um, Got it. Do we want to work in like a weekly segment where it's like more on USF fan of the week? Or <laughs> we just take like terrible things that our fans say and like tweet at us and like, or say on our Facebook pages and, and just that we want to strangle them when they say these things because they make zero sense and they are completely uninformed commentary. Yes. But uh, we have to like sort of tolerate it anyway. We get it bad, night gets it worse. I think yeah. our readers are a little. If you're reading us, you've probably got a little bit better idea of, you know, you're you're a little bit more tied into the core of the program, and we certainly have our base, um, which isn't everybody. Like some people, you know, oh, those guys are, you know, you know, they're too negative or they're too, they, they make too many jokes. They don't hashtag sick to sports or whatever. So, but if you're reading us on the regular, um, I think you sort of get our vibe, and we get that far less, I think, than than Knight does or some of the other, you know, guys out there do because man, like, I see some really dumb shit out there. and uh, But we also have a lot, have a lot of great fans, too, and I think a lot of them were out there uh, at the block party on Saturday, which was a fantastic event once again. Um, congrats to all the guys at the Alumni Association who really crushed it with that thing. Big ups to uh, Bill McCausland, his staff, uh, Scott Glazer, uh, Christina Cameron, uh, who did a really good job. Volunteers like Zach Petrick, who was a baseball pitcher for USF and then ran the varsity club guys like that who were just out there organizing uh Steve Lytle I think was another one who was out there but that event you know I get somewhere between 800 and 1,000 people out there they raised 22,000 bucks that is scholarship money by the way that is not going to like athletics or student athletes that is money that's going to be used for undergraduate students to get to have to pay less to go to college and that is fantastic and wonderful um they got big sponsors they had Geico out there they had Bud Light out there I did mention to them that, like, you know, we live in the best beer town in America and having Bud Light as your sponsor. But they're like, hey, Bud Light stepped up. And you know what? I can't blame them for taking money from a big sponsor like that because it's going to get more kids more scholarships. Mm-hmm. And that's awesome. So congrats to them. That event is just going to get better and better every year. Someday they're going to get the USF version of that because FSU is the weekend before. And uh, someday the USF version is going to surpass the FSU version. So I think the best part of that event is the Snapchats afterwards. Like, cause I, I mean, I went home at a pretty reasonable hour, uh, had a couple of slices of pizza with some friends of mine. And I had taken Uber home. I'm too old to be out there until the nights, but some guys that were out there a little more hardcore than I am sending me, uh, 
Snapchats of karaoke at Gaspar's Grotto, and then a bunch of us in uh, my guys in uh, flip flops, shorts, and polo shirts. And like, we're not talking like khaki shorts; we're talking like mesh basketball shorts. We're all in the <laughs> Club Prana at like nine fifteen, and are out there on the balcony at Club Prana, like just acting like they're ten years younger than they are and are dressed appropriately. And it was, uh, I think that's the best part of that event is just no one gives a damn. And it's really great. And to see the community that's getting built, the Alumni Association has done some really excellent work in the last couple of years. What they did, the thing that really impressed me is um, I went up with them for the women's basketball tournament in Tallahassee this year, the Heartbreaker. But the fact that they even put a bus together to make sure that there were going to be fans up there to support that team that really deserved it. You know, and then the the bus, not their fault, shows up late, and they handled it like true professionals. They refunded everybody for the bus trip because they're like, it's not your fault. And the bus, like, literally, we walked into the stadium as the ball was being tipped off. Um, but they just handled it with true class. And actually, you know, I I gave the money back because I was like, you guys did this, you know, so perfectly, and it was really well handled. Hugely, hugely impressed by the things they're doing over there right now. And um, so yeah, if you're not a member of the alumni association. Uh, go give them 50 bucks because they're doing some really, really good stuff. And uh, a lot of USF alums over there are doing, you know, I think you go through that staff list they've got over there. I think everybody's a USF grad. And so pretty much everybody. And that's kind of what we need right now is we need, you know, some people who understand the culture of USF. So, uh, all right, I'm rambling. Uh, we're done here. Yeah, I think we're, we've covered everything. Okay. All right, guys, go Bulls. Tell your friends, tell them, have them click on the podcast and, uh, yeah, follow us at Stampede SBN. Follow Colin at USF Colin. I am at uh, USF Nathan SBN. Uh, just give us a follow. You'll like our stuff, I promise. All right, guys. Uh, peace out, Go Bulls. Go Bulls.